the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Hey, well, welcome back. I am Daniel Williams, your host, and really excited for the conversation about the church today. Uh, did you miss me? I know it's been a week. It was sort of hard for you to get three episodes now, only once a week. But listen, you could binge watch a whole season of content, uh, season one on at eeleaders.com, uh, or download the whole season one on the old podcast. Uh, it uh, should be available, Google Play, iTunes, you could just... Hit that little subscribe button. You'll get a new episode every week and we'll bring great content or at least try to bring great content to you. I try to do it in such an informal way where I just do a a one take and just sort of talk to the camera like you're here. I honestly wish that I could take you out to coffee or to lunch. If you're a local leader in our area or want to contact me, uh, you can email me at daniel at eeleaders.com. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to thank you for all that you're doing and just simply pray with you. Uh, I do pray for this community. I pray for you, the listener, uh, that God would by His power of His Spirit, just get this content into your ears, into your heart and your life at the right moment, at the right time. And so I trust that He's good. I trust that He's taking care of you and uh, definitely believe that um, He is doing a great work in and through you. And so today, man, we we just want to have a conversation. Uh, I have a lot more interviews in this season. And the first interview that we have is one with Ron Jones. Now, Ron and his wife, Erin, they pastor a great church, Coastal Chapel in Lake Worth, Florida. And they're honestly great friends, uh, great people to be around. Ron and I really build one another up, praying for one another, counseling one another, uh, having sit downs and just talking about life and ministry. And so it was a little hard for us to get serious in this interview because we just love to laugh and joke and to talk about things. But um, I know that this conversation is going to bless you and it's probably going to be a little longer than others because he has such great content and what he's uh, just processing and talking about. And, And again, we don't come to these um, subjects as expert. I'm just trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to receive, and I don't want to get his perspective. I understand that many people I'm interviewing, I may have even different perspectives, those type of things, but it's good just to learn, to grow, and to see where they're coming from. And so uh, I'm really blessed by this conversation um, from Ron, but more personally, just from his friendship. Uh, He's just a great brother and love him in my life. And so I'm great grateful that he was able to sit down with me and share uh, his thoughts on the church. Hey everyone, I am here with my good friend, Pastor Ron Jones. And uh, the first time I met Ron Jones, he actually came to Redemption Church, uh, Delray Beach, first Sunday morning launch. You and your team were coming. Yep. I mean, just to be honest, you were spying on me. That's right. That's right. Yep. And so, uh, but I was really blessed by your team and you guys launched a few months after that. And so we've been on this uh, church planning journey for a long time and it's just sweet to be able to see how God has brought us both to serve his church and so um, tell us a little bit about yourself where you're at right now here in South Florida okay so yeah I'm, I'm Ron and I was a career pastor for almost 20 years in 2002 uh, I was at the leadership summit in Barrington, Illinois okay Bill, Bill Hybels in uh, Willow Creek and I pretty much knew at that time, it was like a kind of a moment from God, like, hey, you're going to start a church. 
And for years, I just was serving on staff. I kind of put that dream on hold. Then in 2012, we got an opportunity and really heard the call. My wife and I, we were in agreement. So we launched out the plant coastal. Awesome. And so February 10th, 2013 was our first launch Sunday. And uh, it's been a crazy ride since. And yes, we were there spying on you guys because we heard that you were like a guru or a church planning <laughs> guru. So. Uh, I doubt that, but I'm glad that you were there and I'm glad that the Lord hooked us up because it's been fun to be able to grow and see God build um, his church with us serving as pastors there and leaders and stuff like that. And so um, today we're going to talk about the church. I know you love the church, love the church. And so I'm going to ask you tons of questions. It's going to be amazing time of growth and just asking this man who loves the church, serves the church, him and his wife uh, are just great people. And so. We'll start off with this, just a biblical definition. What do you define the church as? Because right now we're in a church building, yep. uh, Coastal Chapel, which is amazing. But what, what is a church? How do you define a church? Well, to me, uh, I always go back to, you know, what Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus, the ultimate prophet, for the first time, he says the word church, um, you know. Uh, and I think about what he was seeing, and I don't believe that he saw a building and a Sunday school and a worship team and a pastor, what I believe that he saw was the many-membered body of Christ. I believe he saw people. When I think of the church, that's what I think about. I think about people. Mm. I think in that moment that Jesus, uh, in his infinite ability, I believe that he saw, uh, I think he saw the breadth of the church, the depth of the church. I mean, just, I think that he saw, uh, you know, Charles Spurgeon and Martin Luther. I think he saw Martin Luther King Jr. and Billy Graham. And I think he yeah. saw uh, the little Indian lady who would be praying in her hut somewhere that no one would ever know about. But she was a part of the church interceding for people. So I just think, and I think he saw me, and I think he saw Dan, and he probably saw some of you guys. He saw all of us, you know, that invisible church, not just the local church like here in Lake Worth, but in Del Rey, but also just the global church people. And, um, and not just people, you know, every 120 years, it's like, you know, we get a whole nother set of people, you know what I mean? Everybody dies <laughs> off, you know, That's right. but the church has been the church throughout history forever. We've been, we have a great lineage. And I think, you know, that's what it talks about in Hebrews, where it's that great cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. It's the church in heaven, looking down on the church in earth. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of how I see it. I think it's the people. Yep. And um, and I always say, man, hey, you know, our kids, like I'm, an, I'm like a crazy person about this. My wife thinks I'm nuts. But, you know, we don't say to our kids, we're going to church. Uh, we say we're going to coastal or we're going to service. Right. Um, I tell our kids, we're the church that goes. Yeah. We're not going to church. We're the church that goes. We are the church. That's good. So, well, I mean, it's so important to understand and realize that because theologically, we'd, okay, the elect, beloved people of God, right? But as ministry leaders, why is it so important to understand the church as people uh, and to put our focus on people, even as a senior pastor or lead pastor of a local congregation? Why is that so fundamentally important and has been for you as just a pastor leading um, God's church? Well, I think, man, that, you know, to me, you know, I always try to think, um, I'm thinking generationally, Yeah. you know, I'm thinking that for me, I want Coastal to outlive me. I want it to be something that, that goes further than me. And, and, and if we don't think of the church as people, we just think of it as an institution or an organization, then 
nine times out of ten, when the leader leaves, the organization declines. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. But if we invest in people as yeah. pastors, we can see fruitfulness. Um, you know, success is open to interpretation. You know what I mean? But I think fruitfulness uh, is, is really um, a profound thought to think that as we invest in people, you know, as we pour our life into people, we see that, you know, all over the New Testament, Paul with his spiritual sons of Timothy and Titus and, and Jesus and his disciples. And, and we see that this is a pattern for the gospel is that when we invest relationally in people, that there's fruit that remains, yeah. you know, and it can outlive us. And so, you know, I just, man, I, I'm, probably, I'm probably going on a bunch of rabbit trails here, but, you know, you, like you go to conferences and stuff and you talk to people and the first thing people ask is, how many people are you running? You know, how, many, how big is your church now? Yeah. You know, and I think that's really irrelevant. I think if we're giving our life away to people, you know, then we're a part of the church. Yeah. If we're using our gifts, our talents, our skills, our experience, and we're pouring into people, then we're building the church. We're building Jesus' church, and it's going to be fruit that remains. It's going to be generational. Yeah. You know, I'm not interested in just gathering a bunch of people on Sunday morning. I mean, that'd be great. And when I close my eyes, I could see Coastal being a couple thousand plus people, you know, and it just being electric. I can see that, mm -hmm. you know, and I can believe that. But I'm not just interested in gathering people. I'm actually interested in seeing a family formed, you know, to God to form a family and the relationships to be so strong and so tight that it becomes generational, you know, and yeah. if we turn ourselves, our eyes away from ourselves, uh, you know, navel gazing, you know, navel gazing when you're just like looking at your, your belly button. <laughs> so we, you know, turn our eyes from navel gazing, we lift our eyes up and say, okay, you know, there's people around us. And I think that's really a, a, pro, a step of maturity for the body of Christ because, you know, it's like when you're growing up, it's like you're discovering who you are. And that first revelation we have is, okay, the Holy Spirit. What can the Holy Spirit do for me? What can Jesus do for me? He can save me. He can empower me. You know, he's got gifts. He's got blessings. He's got peace. He's got healing. This is all about me. But then when we grow into maturity, you know, when we come up a little more, then we begin to say, okay, well, we're in a big sandbox and there's others around us. Yeah. And that's the church, you know, that's the church. And when we begin to relate to one another and love one another in a way, you know, where we're honoring the Christ in each other, um, it's powerful, man. Something's activated. Yeah. And so what you're explaining to me, it sounds like a lot like the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, and the Bible does tell us that we should be with other people. Do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren. Uh, so we can actually stir one another to do these good works to make disciples, to pass our faith on to others, to do those good works that God has called us to do. Um, we're his hands and feet. He is the head. How important it is now in our generation, though, to be a part of a local church. Because you see that even in South Florida and all over the nation, many people are, 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 are tired of the institution, so they're not coming to Sundays, um, and they're just not being around people. Uh, they're neglecting fellowshipping with other believers. Um, and I always tell people, hey, you could be a Christian by yourself, but you can't make disciples by yourself. Yeah, and true. we need the body. And yeah. so God has placed local congregations, local families in, all over the world. How important is it uh, for us as church leaders to, um, to navigate this and to say, hey, it's good to be a part of a local church as well? Yeah. Well, I think, man, you know, I think people are so tired of uh, the religious, political church and, mm -hmm. and the corporate church. And I think what you're saying is, and I get it, man, I get it. Because what happens is in the corporate church, 
the person with the most money or the person with the most charismatic gift uh, is at the top and everyone else is kind of clamoring for a position to get you know recognized you know pick me show me affirm me and and when you're not honored in that way when you're not appreciated I think people say well man why am I even here you know yeah. uh, to answer your question I think it's just it's, it's vitally important because just like what you said I mean Proverbs says that a, a man who isolates himself rages against wisdom yeah you know and I think that you can't live life alone you can't have a life of significance by yourself and I'll tell you this is something that um, you know uh, it's kind of in the news lately you know this brother out in California um, a young brother beautiful wife three beautiful boys mega church um, you know just in all respect man it's like wow everything is going up and to the right for this guy and he's dealing in darkness with depression and anxiety and he commits suicide I'm sure you heard this story yeah. you know mm -hmm. and um, and I think that when you isolate yourself, it's just the enemy's playground. I don't want to sound too spiritual, you know what I mean, or too, yeah. no, you I know, get it. too out there, but it's just the enemy's playground. And when you're not connected relationally, you know, you're just opening yourself up, man, and, and uh, there's, no, there's no life there, you know. And I think God wants us to be in his body together. First Corinthians 12, 7 says that he placed them in the body just as he desired. He, he placed eyes and ears and, and noses and yeah. butt cheeks and, you know. <laughs> all of it, You know, man. he put it all together just as he desired. And I think we've got to find our place in God's body and be connected to the, to the local house. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that we should bring that up. We should understand that the church is something spiritual. And, you know, people freak out when we talk about this, but we are in a spiritual warfare. It doesn't take very long to understand this is this life is not a playground. Yeah. It's a battleground. Yeah. And if you look at actually Ephesians six and spiritual warfare, uh, that shield of faith is Paul giving that example of a, a little shield. The Romans would have the little shield and they would connect their shield. So when the darts came, you know, it's sort of like Troy or any oh, yeah. gladiator movies. Yeah. They would have a big shield and protection when they, when they were together. Yeah. And so there is a spiritual sense of authority of offices of the church. Uh, you know, pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, a, 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 a apostle, um, to equip the church to do the work of the ministry, and we're better together. Yeah. Because not one of us is as good as all of us. And you know, one thing too, man, is that you can be mentored and coached by you know somebody on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You can get information offline. You know, you can you can get a good word. You know, from Stephen Furtick on your TV, you yeah. can be ministered to in that in that way. But you'll never be imparted to. Yeah. You know, you'll never be really imparted to. And I think that's the thing. That's the spiritual side of it is that that spiritual dynamic of God's impartation, what God puts in people and us receiving from the fruit of other people's lives, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, it's, it's the Christ. It's not the person. It's the Christ in them. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, you never get to that place where you're truly receiving an impartation of what God is doing. You're just getting information, mm -hmm. you know, and. You know, you can be inspired, you can get information, but to get that real spiritual impartation, I think you got to be a part of a local work. Yeah. You know, and just like you said, you got to be under authority and in the body. Mm -hmm. you know, so. And so let's talk about authority and offices. You're a pastor, pastor yep. of Colts Chapel. I'm a lead pastor of Redemption Church. Yep. Uh, what is your role as a pastor in the local church? Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I don't think, and I got a unique view on this, okay, I'll say that up front. Okay. Okay, I don't use the word offices. Okay. Okay, because I believe if you have an office, you can go in and out of it. You know, you can, you can walk into your office, you can walk out of it. And what I think, you know, the scripture says he gave some to be. So I believe that it's not an office, but it is actually a person. Yep. You know, so again, we are the church, right? We're the body of Christ. And I think that, that we also are the gift. And I'm not just saying pastors and leaders. I'm saying that every person has a spiritual gift. Every person in God's body is a gift to the body. And there's strength in just them being there. There's a spiritual gift in them. There is a measure of grace that they have, right? And they're a gift to the house and they bring something. And in the same respect, God places his authority in people, right? Yeah. That's how he, he operates. And I believe he gave some to be. So I don't know that it's an office as much as it is just a person. Come on. In other words. That's good, man. Come on. Words build worlds. <laughs> exactly. You, you just rebuke me and punk me because I said office. That was no, amazing. It's in love. No, I agree. I agree. I love it. It's good. Um, but, but basically, and I always use the example of, you know, my spiritual dad talks about this, but basically, you know, I'm a real estate broker, so I'm bivocational, right? If I never preached another sermon, if I left Coastal Chapel as a lead pastor, okay, I'm still going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor to the day I die because that's who God called me to be. And no matter where I'm at, I'm going to be pastoring people. I'm going to be loving and leading and shepherding and encouraging people because that's my gift miss. That's, that comes out of me, you know, in every facet, in every arena of life. So it's not about getting your paycheck from the, from the front office of the building. It's not about being on staff at, a, at a, a local work. It's you're the gift, you know. So when I see those five, uh, the fivefold gifts given to the body, I do believe those are special uh, gifts mm -hmm. that Christ gave to the church, but they're people. Yeah. And I'll tell you how I see the difference. One of the things I see, and we might be getting too complicated here, I'm sure it's all going to be church leaders, and there'll probably be comments, you know, disagreeing with me. That's okay. But, um, you know, when I see when I see someone who I think is a five-fold minister, I see a spark in them. I see people coming around them and receiving from that gift in their life. Okay, so in other words, there's people that pastor, you know, deacons pastor. There's people who have a pastoral gift. They have a gift of hospitality, a gift of mercy, right, and a leadership gift. Put those three things together, they're going to be having people in their home. They're going to be, you know, counseling people, and they're going to be leading the way. They're pastoring people. There's just no two ways around it. They're doing hospital visits. They're leading their small groups. But when I see the five-fold gifts, I see... Uh, a person who has a spiritual ability as a catalyst for others okay. you know so they're gathering I notice they're gathering leaders around them I notice that people you know are drawn to them people are receiving from them people are being equipped yeah okay like it says for the equipping so when I see people being equipped by someone then I started thinking to myself wow there might be an emerging call in this person's life hmm. there might be something there you know that God has, has put in them for the church, yeah. you know? And, uh, and again, they don't have to, it doesn't mean, oh, we're, this could be our next staff member, you know? <laughs> it just means we need to recognize that gift because they're part of the body and begin to utilize that. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, if you have any complaints or comments, you know, I mean. Just email me. There you go, at uh, noneofyourbusiness.com. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> 
Listen, I think it's important to talk about these things and to get different views. And obviously, um, many people over um, many years have not figured it out. You even think about the government of a church. Yeah. You know, is there a plurality of elders or is it a Moses model or is it a morph of us? I, I think that sometimes when we look at scripture, there isn't clear things because God does give grace to be able to do a certain work at a certain time in a certain moment. And some people lean more towards this style or that style. And it's beautiful, the body of Christ, to be able That's to good. see, um, you know, Pentecostals and Baptists and denominations and non-denominations and just all that different stuff. And so we're in a day and age, though, that people are just, they're tired of religion. Yeah. They're not coming to a service. And uh, what would you tell those leaders that are seeing um, this generation just say, well, I don't, I want to be by myself. I don't want to be a part of the body. How do we, how do we encourage people to see the reality? And, and maybe one way is maybe it's a, instead of a negative sense, can you explain how the body of Christ has ministered to you and helps your family? Yeah. Cause I think sometimes we go so negative, so uh, against stuff that we forget like we're pastors or we're leaders in the church and, and the body's important for us. Yeah. as ministers just to be ministered to yeah you know uh, can you explain a little bit about how just the church has helped you well yeah i can i think that um you know one of the things that i'm i'm pretty passionate about as well is being transparent and being vulnerable and being open and i think that our story is the platform that god uses to really minister to people I really believe that we inspire people with our strengths, but we connect to people with our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. People need to know that you're growing in Christ. People need to know that God, and they don't want to hear like, oh, you know, 20 years ago I was on drugs and God set me free 20 years ago. Nobody cares about 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? They want to know that, you, you know, what happened two weeks ago? What's the, what's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? right now and and pastors and leaders you know you can either be honest with yourself and say that god's got a lot of work still to do on me or you can think you've arrived right and and so one of the things that we've tried to do with coastal is just to really be open with people even about our own struggles our struggles in our marriage yep. you know and uh, our struggles uh you know with different issues with you know with with road rage and you know all the things, all the, you know, the things that you deal with, you know, the, the flesh, the ego, the pride, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that for us as leaders, being able to open up, you know, and to be transparent uh, has allowed us to receive from the body, mm -hmm. you know, and allow for us to be open to others praying for us, you know. And in our small group, you know, we... We pray for other couples, and then we have them pray for us, yeah. you know? Um, I think it's just, you know, and just allowing that culture to be set where it's like, okay, um, just allowing people in, you know what I mean? So many pastors, I, I, I'll never forget, uh, and I, there's some truth to this, you know, and there is some truth to it, but a guy, a guy telling me, you know, uh, you know, be careful how much armor you take off, you know? Know, know who you're talking to, you know, how much armor you take off, you know, mm -hmm. how vulnerable you are. And I get that in some way, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, you don't just tell your, all your business to everybody, yeah. you know, but if, if Jesus is our rear guard, if we're really being healed, you know, if he's really set us free from shame and condemnation, then we don't have anything to hide. 
You know what I'm saying? We don't have anything to guard because it's Jesus' anyway, you know? And, and I think when we can set that kind of culture and open up to, to the body of Christ, I think that's kind of the start of us saying, okay, well, we can receive from people. You know, we can receive and let people pray for us. We can let people speak into our lives and minister to us. Now, I understand authority. You know, God places His authority in us. But I think people understand that too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think they get that too. I, th I think people, I think when, you, when you're settled in who you are and you're not trying to guard, you're not trying to deflect, you're not trying to play, you know, a game of, game of Thrones, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think people sense that and they, they know, okay, you know, they've got a place, I've got a place, but we're still in it together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know if that, if that helps, but yeah, the body's definitely ministered to us through prayer, encouragement, you know, and, yeah. and offering strength like and that. I just think it's important to be able to understand that, um, you know, we're people too. Yeah. It's not just position. Yes. Uh, we're people that God has placed us to do a work in the body. But like, for example, it's not like every week I'm sharing a story about how I messed up, but I'll preach and say, we're going to take communion. And then I'll just, from my pulpit, go down and grab communion with everyone else. Yeah. I say, we all need to repent. And the church is a community of sinners saved by grace. Yeah. And so I'm just one of those sinners. Yeah. We're all equal at the cross. And although we may have different gifts or authority or whatever it may be, life situations, man, we're one in Christ. Yeah. And so it's so important as ministry leaders to be able to understand that, to know that, and to say, man, we, we need to love the church. We need to love God's people. And we are to find our position, our identity it's not what we do, it's who we are, and we're children of God. That's it. And so it's just so important to understand that as a leader as well. Well, and I think too, man, it's like, you know, if, you're, if you get so caught up on position, and, and it's so easy, man, to be so positionally minded, then you have to protect because you could lose your position. Yeah. You could lose your position. But if you truly understand, again, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that God places us, mm -hmm. and you know your place, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I've said it so many times. Hey, I'm, I'm the pastor here, you know, but if God wants someone else to be the pastor, then they can have it. I'll shift into something else, you know. I'll be the best usher Coastal Chapel ever had. Oh, that's you know right, what baby. I mean? So if that's okay, but, but I know I have a sense that he placed me here, you know, and I don't have to guard that because whenever God places you, no one can take that place. Yeah. You know, if you have a position, then you know what? Someone else can fill that position, mm -hmm. you know, and you can be moved out of it and someone else moved in and your value can, you can be devalued instantly. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But if you know your place, you know your identity, you know you're a son, yep. right? And you're secure in that, then you don't have to guard and protect. You can be wide open, just like everybody else, you know, and you can know that, look, man, God's, God's got me here. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be here, you yeah. know, so it's okay. You know, it's okay to just be me because God, God thought it was good enough and he placed me here. So. Yep. Well, man, Ron, I, I appreciate you sharing on the church and um, just thinking about uh, our time closing. Is there any last encouragement or thought that you want to just share with us about the church and just how God's working and an encouragement okay. for us, man? Man, I just want to share, one, one thing I want to share is that, um, you know, every pastor who, who may listen to this, if you, if you made it this far, right? <laughs> Thank you for making it this far. But I just want to encourage you, man, that, you know, God gave you a grace for where you're at. And, 
And it really is true what it says that before the foundations of the world, you know, He knew you and formed you in your mother's womb, and He had a plan and a purpose. And um, and you're where you're you're where you're at right now by God's sovereign hand. Yeah. And just keep laboring, keep preaching the word deeply, keep leading spiritually, keep loving people, honoring Christ. I tell you a story. I, Dan knows his story, but it just reminds me of that scripture that he has a plan. But you know, we were in a high school for so long, uh, for four and a half years, we were in a high school, and um, during that time, um, right there towards the end, of four and a half years. Uh, a guy came in with a prophetic word and the prophetic word was that in the next six months the landscape of Coastal Chapel is completely going to change it'll be the same beautiful faces and the same sweet spirit but the landscape will completely change and at that time I was so tired of coming in to spaghetti stains on the floor <laughs> and no AC and it smelled like a dead rat about two out of every four Sundays uh, I just knew that God was like moving us out of there and he had said six months. This is in August. And so, man, I just started casting vision. Guys, we're leaving. We got this prophetic word. We started raising money. We did a Heart for the House campaign. And I was so fired up, man. I was just, we were just at it. And, uh, you know, the year turned in January. And we hadn't found anything. And then one day, through a business transaction, I found myself on the property of this commercial building. Now, at this time, we were looking for something very specific. A certain amount per square feet, you know, price-wise, and a certain you know size, and it was just almost a needle in a haystack for Palm Beach County. Well, basically, I pulled on this property, and there was a sign that said for rent, and I said to the guy, "Tell me about this." Well, he quoted our price per square foot that we were looking for and our square footage. It's like windows of heaven. Oh, you know, this is it. And literally, I left and called everybody, and I'm so fired up, and and uh, went back and. You know, told the church, and man, we went out there and had prayer services, walked around the building. You know, uh, we submitted a letter of intent and just began negotiating with the guy. Well, about two weeks into the negotiation, literally right before the turn of that six months, and I just knew, man, I just knew it's like God's going to do this right at six months, and it's going to be this awesome story. And basically, the guy went dark, the landlord. He wouldn't respond to emails or calls. And come to find out another tenant had came in and basically taken the property from up under us. And guys, I want to tell you, I was devastated. I was literally depressed. I wanted to stay in my house, eat popcorn, and stay in my skivvies all day, watch Netflix. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to, you know, I was like embarrassed. And I just, I mean, I even remember sitting in my living room with my wife just crying like a baby. I don't want to be in ministry anymore. God's <laughs> let me down. You know, why would he do this to me? You know, and she's like, shut up, you know. But I'm like, I'm just going to be a real estate broker. I'm not going to do this anymore. I mean, just, just depressed, you know. And I really was mad at God. I really felt like God had let me down. Hmm. Well, that was in February. So I crawled out of my hole, you know what I'm saying, and came back. But I was limping along, to be honest. And about August of the next year, literally about a year to the date um, that that prophetic word came, I had um, something just stirred in me. I started having some more faith again. And that tenant had fell, fell through at that location. And I thought to myself, I'm going to, let's go back to that again. Let's, let's go back again. Let's try it again. 
I'm literally sitting, sitting in my house. It's 9.19 on a Tuesday night. I'm typing up on my computer in my living room a letter of intent, a revised letter of intent, this much per square foot for the first year. Phone rings. I pick up the phone and it's this guy, uh, a brother I knew from years back, and he says, he says, Ron, I'm here at the church and I'm praying with the elders. And the Lord showed us your face and we want to know if you'll be our pastor. And I'm like, well, I'm flat, you know, I'm flattered, but I just, I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm, I'm committed to Coastal and I planted this work. And he says, let me let you talk to someone. So he put me on the phone with this guy named Essa. And Essa says, hey, Ron, uh, this is Essa. Uh, I met you three years ago at the Bible college. Do you remember? I says, yeah, I remember you, Essa. How are you? And he begins to tell me a story of how they've been without a pastor for three years and the congregation had dwindled down and they really need leadership and they were really looking for someone. They were really desperate. You know, they've been holding together, but they were desperate. And I says, well, I just, you know, I'm really committed to Coastal. And he says, what if we merged the churches? And something came in me. I said, okay, I want to talk. He said, let me let you talk to another guy. And he put me on the phone with this other guy. And this guy, his name's Mika. And he says, hey, Ron. He's a Finnish brother. He says, I met you 10 years ago at a wedding. <laughs> That's the only, I met you one time 10 years ago at a wedding. I haven't seen you since. But I was here praying. And the Lord showed me your face. And I turned over to, to Ronnie and I said, remember the guy with the, the big guy with the red hair? Oh, yeah, Ron, what's, you know? And I says, wow, 10 years ago, one time, God showed me my face, a prophetic vision. And so we met, and basically, man, through a series of negotiations, we ended up uh, drafting through a lawyer a facility sharing agreement where we would be able to occupy their church building, uh, you know, free of rent. We would be their pastor, they would be absorbed in the coastal chapel. And, um, and you know, It'd be this beautiful marriage. Well, in the negotiation part of this thing, there were some difficulties. This is where the story really becomes a true God story. There's so much about it, and I don't want to take too much time. I was outside. Uh, again, we had had some, you know, you know how it is. You got to talk about everything up front, and I'm a pretty straightforward person. Yeah. So we had had some, and I was like, man, this just isn't going to work. You know, it's not going to happen. I'm outside at the front of the building. I'm looking at the sign and, and I step back and I'm looking at the building and then I look down at the sidewalk. Etched in the sidewalk was the, the letters that spelled Rev Jones. Now guys, my name is Ronald Jones. If you go to RevJones.me, that's my personal web space. I've been Rev Jones for a long time. I'm looking down at the sidewalk and literally carved in the sidewalk is Rev Jones. So I'm freaking out. I turn white as a ghost. And um, I start doing some research on the building. Well, in the beginning of this process, we had set out a timeline and October 22nd, 2017 would be our commencement service. That will be our merging service. So I began to do some research. On October 22nd, 1957, 60 years to the day that I was standing in the pulpit and become the pastor of this work, 
Reverend Jones chartered this ministry. So literally my name was in the sidewalk 60 years. <laughs> 20 years before I was born, my name was carved out there. It gave me such a revelation that God orders our steps. It gave me such a revelation that he had a plan to prosper me <laughs> way before my birth, you know? And I just encourage you with that. And you know, we've been here almost a year now in this building. It's been awesome. Everything was up and to the right. So many, so many great things. And uh, God, has, God has been so faithful. But I just want to encourage you that God, um, the church is a spiritual thing. And yeah. Jesus is the head of his church. And he sovereignly orchestrates, you know? I think back, man, I'm a real estate broker. And I mean thousands of hours that I drove around looking for a property on the internet looking and searching all the, the broker websites, CoStar and, and LoopNet, looking for a property, thousands of hours, driving around Boca, driving around Boynton, calling pastor buddies, hey, y'all know anyone who you know, has a building, you know anywhere that we could go. In all of my striving, you know, in all that I could do in my own strength, it just amounted to nothing. And then I'm sitting in my house on a Tuesday night in 919, <laughs> and the phone rings and God says, it's time. It's time for you to have this. And so I just encourage, you know, God's got your back. You've been graced. You've been graced for where you're at. It's not a position that someone gave you. It's a place that God has called you to. And if God be for us, come on somebody. Who can be against us? Who can be against us? So thanks. If you made it this far, thanks for watching. God bless you. <laughs> Well, on today's one piece of advice, we have Mike Lawrence. Mike recently took the position at Calvary Chapel, Port St. Lucie as an assistant pastor. But I, I met Mike because he's a, just a great guy, a counselor. Uh, and um, he was a missionary church planner that got sent out from our area uh, to Costa Rica many years ago. And he started a great work there, planted for many years. And the Lord uh, directed him back to South Florida to serve. And so... Um, He's just a great guy. He has a lot of wisdom to share. And he wanted to share in his one piece of advice how we're to lead spiritually the bride of Christ. And so I thought this would be a perfect match to share his one piece of advice as we talk about the subject, the beauty of the church. You're listening to One Piece of Advice, brought to you by eeleaders.com. A ministry to encourage and equip church leaders. Hey everybody, how's it going? My name is Mike Lawrence. I have spent the last 13 years as a church planning missionary in Costa Rica. God has recently called my family and I back to Florida where we are launching a ministry to ignite God's people to greater passion and purpose. I'm here with one piece of advice for the Leadership Lessons podcast. The piece of advice that I'd like to give you is this. You cannot lead people where you have not first allowed God to lead you. You see, before we're called to lead organizations, we're called to lead people. We're called to be spiritual leaders before organizational leaders. And so our focus is not to be on programs and organizations primarily, although in ministry, of course, you need to have those leadership skills. But first and foremost, you and I are called to lead people and to lead them spiritually. And because of this, 
we can only lead them where we have first allowed God to lead us. We see this example throughout scripture, but one that comes to mind is the book of Joshua, where the priests had to take the ark. And in order to lead the people into the promised land, they had to be willing to go first. And in going first, they had to step into that river. They had to exercise faith and obedience before anyone else could follow them. And as they stepped into the Jordan River, the waters parted and the people could follow them through. And we see this principle throughout scripture that when God is going to call someone into leadership, he's going to do a work in them before he does a work through them. And so if we try to block off what the Holy Spirit is doing in our heart, what we're actually doing is, one, we're preventing God from doing something that will bless us and make us more like Christ. But two, we're also preventing him from doing something in our lives that he most likely wants to do through our lives and the lives of those around us. I found that as, as a pastor especially, or the leader of an organization, when God is leading you, when there's something he's addressing in your heart and in your life, it's usually because he also wants to address it in the life and the heart of your organization. It's something that the people around you also need to have addressed. And if you are willing to let him lead you personally through that issue in your heart, whatever it may be, it will give you greater authority and greater influence to then counsel and comfort and lead others as he does that work in their life as well. And so we have to be willing to be vulnerable and transparent about who we are and where we are at. Now, I know that that scares people sometimes because as leaders, we think, well, we kind of have to have it together. And while certainly there are qualifications for leadership, one of them is not perfection. And it's too easy in ministry and in the church to try to present ourselves as perfect but we're not perfect, but we are, however, being perfected. And that is the good news of the gospel. And we're surrounded with people who need to know that the gospel is not only for heaven, but it's also for today. They need to see how God is working in your life and in my life so that they too can find encouragement that God will do the same thing for them. And so there's got to be this uh, willingness in God's leaders to be honest about who they are and what they're going through. Not that you necessarily have to let every deep secret of your heart be known to everyone you come across. That's not what I'm saying. But be willing to be vulnerable, whether it's as a pastor from the pulpit, or whether it's in counseling, or whether it's with your staff. Let them know where you're at, because you're not supposed to do this journey alone. Let them know how God has been working in your life. You know, too often it's easy for us to focus on the things he once did in the past, but we don't focus enough on what he's doing right now. But he is. He's doing something in your life and in my life. And when we are vulnerable and when we are transparent and honest about where we're at and what God is doing, man, that blesses people. It allows people to see God's hand at work in us and it encourages them at what he will do in them as well. And so my one piece of advice for you is that you cannot lead people where you have not first allowed God to lead you. And so as you lead your organization, as you focus on your programs, don't forget it's first about what God wants to do in you before it's about what he wants to do through you. And don't forget that you are to lead people and lead them spiritually so that they too can experience all that God has for their life. I hope this piece of advice blesses you and strengthens you as you continue to fulfill God's call upon your life and your ministry. Well, in next week's episode, we're going to be talking about developing people. What does the church do so 
well, well, we're told that we're to equip the body of Christ uh, to do good works, to bring glory to God. And it's just a joy if, as a pastor to equip God's people to serve him, to help them grow in their faith, to develop people. And so uh, we'll be having my friend, church planner, Dan Grittner, share on ways to develop people, to pour into them. And this guy is just full of joy. And I'm so looking forward to having him speak into our lives. And so uh, until next time, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for pouring into God's people for all that you're doing. You're really making an eternal significant difference. Uh, And people are maturing and growing because you are faithfully worshiping God by doing uh, the things he has called you to do. And so I pray that these episodes bless you. And I pray that this week, God specifically would give you encouragement and bless you uh, to serve his people. So we love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.